This is an MPB Think Radio podcast. The legal information presented on In Legal Terms is meant to provide general information about the topics discussed and is not necessarily the opinion of Mississippi Public Broadcasting. The information conveyed does not create any type of attorney-client relationship. Please consult an attorney provider before making any decisions about your specific legal questions. Welcome to In Legal Terms from MPB Think Radio, the show all about you and your rights. I'm Liz Gill with Professor Richard Gershon from the University of Mississippi School of Law. And whether you'd like to protest for or against a change in the flag or for or against a change in gun laws, you have the legal right to protest. We're going to be talking about your rights today. Hello, Professor Gershon. Good morning, Liz. We've got another great uh, show today. But I want to remind the, uh, the listeners, if they miss a live In Legal Terms episode, they can find our podcast or they can find our past shows also on our webpage, inlegalterms.mpbonline.org. Uh, today, we've invited Attorney Joshua Tom, legal director, as you mentioned, an interim executive director of the ACLU of Mississippi. And it really is it's great to have him here. You know, uh, Mr. Tom... Um, worked at Skadden Arps in New York City, which is one of the biggest law firms in the country. He was doing complex litigation, and now he's uh, the interim director of the ACLU. And so, you know, this is, uh, Mr. Tom, you must really have a, an interest in, in social justice and, and civil liberty to give up a job like that uh, to work for the ACLU. Hi, Richard. Thanks for having me. It's great to have to be you. here. Well, could you tell Come us on. a little bit? Tell us a little bit about your work at the ACLU. I'm sorry. Uh, I'm getting a little feedback. Are you getting the same? No. no, you sound good. Okay, I'll just go ahead. Yeah, so um, I'm a native of Memphis, Tennessee, and so um, and my father actually grew up in Mississippi, uh, born and raised in Mississippi. So you know, moving back to Mississippi was you know a, a trip closer to home. In addition to uh, a job that I'm really passionate about and interested about, you know, at the ACLU. Uh, we see it as our job and our mission to make Mississippi a more fair and just place. We make sure that people's civil rights and civil liberties uh, are protected, and particularly those people who are unable to protect themselves. And on the topic of our discussion today, one of our centers of focus is the First Amendment rights to free speech and uh, protest. Well, and with that in mind, I mean, we're, we're going to be talking about protests today. Are there limits on free speech? You know, so the freedom of speech is one of our most important rights as Americans. Uh, former Supreme Court Justice Benjamin Cardozo said that, quote, freedom of expression is the matrix, the indispensable condition of near, nearly every other form of freedom. And so, you know, I think that's a important thing to keep in mind as we talk about this, how important speech and how important protest is. Uh, in our constitutional system and, and to Americans. But that being said, no right is unlimited. Um, you know, the First Amendment does not protect certain narrow categories of speech, which include obscenity, fraud, child pornography, fighting words, um, defamatory falsehoods against public officials. Um, an important note about that particular exception is that um, 
that is only um, can, defamatory falsehoods against public officials can only be suppressed if they were made with the knowledge that they were false or with rec- reckless disregard that they were false. And that makes sure that, um, in particular, the press can report uh, and not be sued for making um, you know, minor factual errors. Uh, so those are just a couple things that uh, are not protected by the First Amendment. Right. So, you know, that we've seen a lot of protests around the country and, and obviously people have a right to protest. But uh, what about me just as an individual? You know, we'll, we'll talk about organized protest uh, on the show as well. But just as an individual, can I just go out on the street and, and uh, hold a sign and uh, protest whatever I want to protest? Yeah. So, you know, as an individual and I'm and, um, you know, I think we're going to get to this later, but if you're in um you know, a public place that's, you know, open to everybody, then an individual or even a small group of individuals can go out, uh, you know, give a speech, can carry a sign as long as, um, you know, you're not interfering with the normal use of that particular area. You know, if you're blocking people and harassing people or if you're blocking traffic or if you're preventing people from getting inside of buildings, that may be um, one thing, but if you're just peacefully holding a sign or walking down the sidewalk or walking, you know, speaking in a park, that's every uh, American's right to be able to do that. That's protected by the First Amendment. There's one gentleman in the Jackson metro area that has a protest sign on the side of his truck. I believe it's against a car dealership. And you can, he drives around and always you can see his protest sign on the side of his truck. Yeah, it's oh, yeah. Uh, that's that's certainly within uh, that gentleman's First Amendment rights to do that. You know, he's not interfering with anybody else driving. Uh, it's his own car, and that's you know his right to send out his message. And Josh, you know, uh, you mentioned obscenity. Um, I, that's one. I, so let's say the guy with the truck had uh, a curse word on his truck. I mean, it doesn't seem like we limit. Uh, certainly, uh, those la- that language seems to be pretty prevalent in our society. I remember um, Lenny Bruce very famously was arrested for using uh, that language in his com- comedy because it was held to be obscene. Uh, is, have we changed what we think about obscenity? Well, you know, so the Supreme Court test for obscenity, um, you know, it's, it's, you know, I don't know if we need to get into the weeds on that, but for, for I mean, we, I'm happy to if you want to, it, but it's um, a certain test that uh, the Supreme Court put, put down that um, is actually pretty... Um, you know, somewhat subjective. Uh, when you read the test, you know, it's, it's actually sort of difficult to understand how the Supreme Court even um, made that, given that, you know, the First Amendment is uh, really wants to have, you know, clear uh, lines about what you can do and what you can't do. And when it comes to obscenity, uh, it's somewhat vague. And, you know, one of the justices who talked about it says, you know, I, it was something to the extent of I can't defy it, define it, but I know it when I see it. Right. No, that's uh, so if I put a, if I had a sign on my truck that had, let's say, the F word, uh, you know, if I was protesting that that same car dealership and said, you know, F whatever motors it was. 
Could, would that be protected speech? Uh, something like that, I think, I think would be, you know, what is, um, you know, using curse words, uh, using strong language, um, you know, that would be protected by the First Amendment. Um, I think um, um, when they're talking about obscenity, it is uh, doesn't reach, uh, you know, the F word. Thank you. Now, do, do I need, like, if I'm going to put one of those signs, does that, does that man uh, who's protesting with his truck or if I was walking or speaking in the park, do I need a permit to do that? Uh, as an individual, you know, on your own property, you're free to do um, what you what you wish with your own property, your car. You can wear a T-shirt. You can wear a hat. You know, with uh, that same message, you wouldn't need a permit to do that. And, you know, carrying a sign on the street, you know, as long as you're not obstructing traffic, harassing people um, or causing uh, serious competing use issues for that particular area, you shouldn't need a permit. We're going to continue our discussion with the legal director of ACLU Mississippi, Josh Tom. Josh, we had a call that couldn't stay on the line. Uh, When we come back, we'd like you to answer if it's legal to burn the Mississippi state flag in protest. And if you would like to read about protesters' rights, I'll give you a website next. You're listening to In Legal Terms on MPB Think Radio. No matter if you use an app to start your car or still have a flip phone, Everyday Tech can decipher today's technology for tomorrow's solutions. Subscribe now to the podcast using any podcast app or the MPB public media app. This is In Legal Terms. Now, not everyone has a chance to listen to our show live. If you've missed any of our program, you can listen to the whole show at inlegalterms.mpbonline.org. It's also available on the MPB Public Media app, as are all our local shows. I'm Liz Gill. I'm here with Professor Richard Gershon from the University of Mississippi School of Law. And here's another website, aclu.org slash no hyphen your hyphen rights slash protesters hyphen rights. So if you're interested in reading about it, uh, they have a website, aclu.org slash no hyphen your hyphen rights slash protesters dot uh, dash rights. And we'll have that link on our podcast page. This morning, we are talking about your right to protest, whether it's for or against an idea or the government or a company. Our guest is the interim executive director of the of ACLU Mississippi, Josh Tom. Josh, what about that question we left you with uh, from our caller who couldn't stay on the line? Is it legal to burn the Mississippi state flag in protest? You know, that's a great question. Um, so, you know, one 
first point is that uh, they call it pure speech, which is you know speaking, writing uh, is protected by the First Amendment. But also you have symbolic speech, which could be uh, you know doing a dance um, or you know performing a certain act that makes a statement, such as burning a flag. And the Supreme Court in a case called Texas versus Johnson, which uh, was argued by David Cole, who's the um, one of the attorneys was David Cole, who's the uh, legal director of the National ACLU. Uh, the Supreme Court decided that burning a flag uh, is protected speech, and that in that case it was the American flag. Um, and so, you know, to answer the caller's question burning the Mississippi state flag would be protected speech. And, you know, while controversial, you know, at the time, and I'm sure it would be controversial today if you were to burn the Mississippi flag, in that case, uh, the Supreme Court Justice, uh, Justice Brennan said, quote, the principal function of free speech under our system of government is to invite dispute. It may indeed best serve its high purpose when it induces conditions of unrest creates dissatisfaction with conditions as they are, or even stirs people to anger. And so, you know, Justice Brennan is saying that, you know, those type of controversial uh, statements, um, those type of controversial acts, which, you know, cause dissatisfaction, which stir people to anger, um, are at the heart of the First Amendment. It's so great. It's so great. We had a, uh, my, my late great colleague who I miss every day, George Cochran, who I'm sure many of the lawyers out there who took, were, studied at our law school took, took George's classes, and he would occasionally burn a, an American flag in his class. Uh, he taught constitutional law just to get a reaction from his students. But let me, let me ask you, I mean, so there are limits, though, because if, I, if I'm going to burn a flag, um, I have a right to do that. But I have to be careful that I don't cause damage to surrounding property when I burn the flag as well, because the, the, the fire itself could be, could be dangerous. Of course, yes. And, you know, I think that goes back to, you know, uh, Richard, when you're talking about, you know, what you could do as an individual uh, in a public place, whether, you know, giving a speech or carrying a sign. And, you know, when we're talking about public safety, you know, it's important to know at which point the government can come in. And so the government can impose what are called uh, time, place and manner restrictions on speech. And those come in when there are, um, say, traffic concerns, uh, public safety concerns, uh, or competing use concerns. And so by competing use concerns, I mean, uh, say you're in a park and you have, you know, a thousand people in this park. You know, the park's normally used for running or walking your dog or picnicking. Uh, Those activities you can't do anymore. And so, you know, the protest is, uh, has a competing use with, you know, the normal park activities. And so when you have those competing use concerns or traffic or safety, safety concerns like a fire, as you mentioned, the government can impose reasonable time, place and manner restrictions. All right, so that makes sense. And, you know, let, let's talk a little bit. You, you've got such a great website. Uh, Liz gave the, uh, the website uh, address a few a few minutes ago, and let's talk about the the right to protest as an organized group, because that that is going on all around the country. So what what do I need to do if I'm organizing a protest? If you're organizing a protest, I think the first thing that you should 
go the first thing that you should understand is your city or town's permitting requirements for protests you know this gets exactly to the you know reasonable regulations on the time place and manner of a protest for example to avoid traffic disruption to ensure public safety to ensure access to buildings you know once your protest gets over a certain size uh, you should know what the permitting requirements are uh, second, I think you should recognize the difference between speech and action. When a protest crosses the line from speech to action, the government can intervene uh, a little bit more aggressively. So, for example, political protesters or um, uh, political protesters have the right to picket, distribute literature, chant, engage passersby in debate, but they do not have the right to block buildings. Uh, to physically harass people, you know, the latter of which, you know, the uh, police could uh, very likely step in and uh, legally step in. And so this, you know, sort of segues into the point of the difference between, uh, it's also important to understand, the difference between protest and civil disobedience. So protest is protected by the First Amendment. Um, it's you know what we're talking about today. Civil disobedience, on the other hand, which involves the intentional breaking of laws to make a point, uh, maybe outside the constitutional uh, protection of the First Amendment, and could validly lead to arrest and conviction. And I'll finally say, you know, possibly for another um, uh, uh, interview, when organizing a protest, you should know your rights when uh, you encounter law enforcement. Really, really important points. And uh, and you mentioned civil disobedience and, you know, people who engage in civil disobedience to try to change the law, I, I think often expect to be arrested just to, to show how, you know, how the law is, is wrong. But we're, we're talking today really about about protests, as you mentioned, and about the protected protest. So what you know, we, we talk about people protesting uh, in a traditional public forum. What, what exactly is that? So traditional public forums are the places that throughout American history have been used for protests, rallies, and marches, and they include streets, sidewalks, and parks. You know, in those locations, traditional public forums uh, and individuals and uh, groups, even a large groups, uh, protests and free speech rights are at their strongest. Um, and, you know, as we said before, for an individual or a small group, you shouldn't need a permit to protest in a traditional public forum. Uh, a, a permit comes into play when your protest starts to create traffic, safety, or competing use concerns that are beyond uh, the daily, ordinary use of those areas. Well, what, how would that, now what about a private property? So if I uh, wanted to organize a protest at a shopping mall, for example, because I was, we were concerned about uh, the way that uh, employees at the mall were being treated or, or what have you, would that be different? Would I have uh, different rights at a private location? You know, so this particular point, Richard, is, uh, is an interesting one because, you know, the general principle is that private property owners can set the rules for their for speech on their own property. However, you know, so, for example, uh, you know, in your own yard or um, in, you know, the, the parking lot of a small private business and that owner owns that that business, they get to say, you know, uh, how that yard or how that small parking lot is used. However, shopping malls present a unique case. 
um, because in some states, most notably California, shopping malls uh, are an exception to the private property rule because some courts have reasoned that big malls serve as a modern-day functional equivalent of a traditional public forum. And so in those states, the malls have to uh, treat those areas like traditional public forums, and they can only impose reasonable time, place, and manner restrictions. And, you know, this is not uh, thorough research, and so I would, you know, would uh, encourage listeners to, you know, uh, before they hold a protest in a mall to you know check up on this. But last I checked, Mississippi is currently silent on the issue of whether malls uh, follow the California rule or whether they're treated as private property. We have a call on the line. Let's go to Chickasaw County and speak with Mamie. Mamie, thanks for being a part of In Legal Terms today. What's your comment or question? My question, good morning, thank you. My question is, what are the consequences of when law enforcement violate protesters' civil rights? Yes. Yeah, so you know, as we've seen uh, over the past you know a week um, or, or two weeks, you know, during the massive protests over. Uh, the murder of George Floyd, there have been uh, interactions between protesters and police. And so, you know, we're talking about what's the right to protest. You know, if you're, uh, you know, have a permit, if you're uh, peacefully walking down the street with a group of others carrying your sign, law enforcement should have uh, no right to interfere with that protest. You're engaging in protected uh, speech that's protected by the First Amendment. If they were to uh, break that protest up, say pepper spray protesters, uh, you know, do something that interfered with that speech, uh, those protesters would have the right to, to sue the police. The ACLU of Minnesota uh, did exactly that. You know, they sued uh, the government in that state for um, interfering with uh, protest rights. Um, and so, however, if, you know, there are, you know, in other cases we've seen there's been, looted, there's been looting um, and, you know, other, you know, illegal activity, in those cases, the police could validly, uh, you know, in, interfere and stop illegal activity. Okay, thank you. So if, if someone's uh, rights are being violated, how, how would they get in touch with you? Uh, would they, because uh, the ACLU does represent people in those circumstances. Um, how, what, where should they contact uh, the ACLU in Mississippi? Definitely, yeah. So, you know, if you're engaged in a protest or, if, you know, otherwise have your civil rights violated, we encourage everyone to reach out to the ACLU of Mississippi. You can go to our website, which is uh, www.aclu.com. Uh, dash ms.org. Um, you can also, uh, you know, and the website will give give you the information to contact us, whether through phone or by email. I, and, uh, you know, we got an email. I'm going to ask this. I, I, I don't know if it's exactly um, on point, but, you know, what about uh, the president uh, saying that uh, peaceful protesters, what if the president ordered uh, peaceful protesters to be tear gassed uh, against their constitutional rights to assemble, or uh, let's say a governor of a state did the same thing. Would 
could they be sued in in, uh, in civil court for doing that? Absolutely. You know, it's that's you know uh, you know more. Um, or I guess that's like a, a riff on uh, the caller's question. You know, the you know the police are governmental actors. If they interfere with your First Amendment rights, they can be sued. The president, a governor, you know, are also governmental actors. If they interfere with your First Amendment rights, they can also be sued. And the um, government was actually sued as well by the ACLU uh, when the peaceful protesters in Lafayette Square were dispersed with um, you know, rubber bullets and other means um, so you know, President Trump could you know, walk across that square and have his uh, photo opportunity. We're talking with executive director of the interim executive director of ACLU Mississippi, Josh Tom, about your right to protest, whatever you might need to protest. If you'd like to hear more about your right to protest, I'll tell you how you can hear more next. You're listening to In Legal Terms on MPB Think Radio. Walker, the lady auto mechanic, host of AutoCorrect. If you're enjoying this podcast, try my podcast, AutoCorrect. We help steer you in the right direction with your car problems. Find me on any podcast platform or at autocorrect.mpbonline.org. You're listening to In Legal Terms on MPB Think Radio. Professor Richard Gershon is our expert host. I'm Liz Gill. We do hope you'll subscribe to our podcast. There's lots of different podcasting platforms out there. I happen to like Podcast Addict. If you have an Apple phone, you've already got a podcasting app on your phone. But however you do it, get one on your phone. Uh, On mine, I I touch a plus that takes me to a page to search for podcasts and I just type in in legal terms in the search area it brings up our show in legal terms I can touch the photo and then I can subscribe to it so that I'm notified when any new episodes are loaded up this morning we're talking about your right to protest whatever you might happen to want to protest with our guest Joshua Tom who is the legal director and interim executive director of ACLU Mississippi and just before this last weekend when there were I think they said protests in all 50 states ACLU Mississippi conducted a Facebook live video concerning protests and you can find that on their Facebook page we've got an email and a couple of phone calls Um, everyone we want to make sure you know uh, we're heard all over the state of Mississippi but we're also heard in parts of Alabama, Louisiana, Tennessee, and Arkansas. And we do have Arkansas on the phone. It's Helen. Thanks for calling in in legal terms this morning. Go ahead, please. I have a question. What can protesters do legally when 99% of protesters are are doing the right thing and you have maybe less than 1% of agitators that's creating the problem? What can the protesters do legally 
to avoid those type of uh, situations. Yeah, sure. You know, so I think this, you know, uh, goes back to, um, you know, if you're organizing a protest, what you should do. You know, you should look at your city's permitting requirements uh, to make sure that you're, um, you know, following uh, the location where you're protesting all of their uh, laws and, and ordinances. Uh, you should recognize the difference between speech and action. You know, as long as you're, you know, protesting and, um, you know, peacefully walking down the street, you know, you should have no problems. Um, you should also recognize the difference between uh, engaging in civil disobedience versus protest. And, uh, you know, again, you know, if you are a peaceful protester and, you know, the police uh, come and interfere with your protest, then you should first know your rights when it comes to law enforcement. Uh, second, you should uh, you know, take down as much information as you can, who the officer was, who the agency was, uh, document any injuries you may have, get the phone numbers, contact information of any witnesses, you know, take video if you can, uh, file a complaint with that particular law enforcement agency, and then reach out to the ACLU. You know, we're uh, in the business of ensuring that police uh, do not violate uh, your rights. Josh, I think I could, Helen yeah. was mentioning, uh, what if uh, uh, agitators crash your pre- peaceful protest and you have a bad apple who shows up to right. cause shenanigans when you're trying to be peaceful? I see. Uh, you know, if an agitator comes to try to, uh, you know, mess with your protest, you know, I would, um, you know, suggest that, uh, you know, you, you engage with, with law enforcement, you know, to make a, you know, if you try to stop that agitator yourself, you know, you're possibly asking for trouble. Um, and so, uh, you know, peaceful protests should be protected by the police. The police's job is actually to ensure that, uh, everyone can engage uh, in their constitutional rights, including speech. And so if someone's interfering in your constitutional rights, uh, it's the police's duty to um, prevent that. Helen, does that answer your call, your question? Yes, in a sense it does, but uh, I guess not directly because there have been incidents where the few bad apples created the, the problem. And not necessarily the 99%, but I guess Yeah, I, I suppose that the, the peaceful people want to uh, disassociate themselves and want to try to make sure there's a distinction between the peaceful people and the rabble-rousers who are causing the trouble. Helen, thank you so much for calling in. We appreciate your call. We're going to go to Greenwood now. Thank you, Johnny, for calling in to In Legal Terms. What's your comment or question for the show? Yes, good morning. Um, yeah, I just kind of watch with interest. I serve on the city council and have for 26 years here in Greenwood. And and I understand that most of this violence that uh, that's tainting the, the great job that these protesters have the right to do if curfews, if, if you would let people come at 10 o'clock in the morning until 530, it seems to be happening at night. And uh, and, if, and if curfews would work to keep people off the street, that seems to be when the looters, uh, they're really damaging all the great good that these protesters are doing. And uh, I just feel like if you had a strict curfew at 530 and none at night, uh, you could more control uh, and, and not let these people mix in together. I mean, it's... Uh, 
it's uh, the curfews would be the only answer. I think most of the violence I see is at nighttime. And if you could uh, let the protesters come out in the daylight on Saturdays, uh, uh, 10 o'clock to 5:30, you could you could get more of a chance for the people that really wanted their voices heard and trying to accomplish their goals to um, do it in the daylight, do it in a peaceful deal and not be at nighttime because that seems to be when the uh, when the people that want to disrupt stuff come out. And that would give law enforcement a dividing line between if you're out after about 6.30 or 7, you're not protesting. Thank you, Johnny. We appreciate you calling in. Let's now go to Canton and speak with Dorothy. Dorothy, thank you so much for being part of In Legal Terms today. What's your comment or question? Okay, so thank you uh, for your program first. Um, uh, secondly, um, I just heard a response about what to do if uh, if someone bothers you when you're uh, peacefully protesting. And the response was to... Uh, you know, seek uh, law enforcement. Well, that's what the that's what the protests are about. Uh, law enforcement using so-called law enforcement using uh, uh, extreme tactics. Uh, you know, as what set off this latest uh, series of protests. So, you know, one is between a rock and a hard place. If you are peacefully protesting, someone heckles you or accosts you, uh, then you have no alternative if the police are the very people against whom you're protesting. You know, that's a, uh, is, was that, do you want a response or is that just a comment? Yeah, a response. <laughs> okay. You know, that's, you know, uh, it's a good point. Um, you know, I think just to, you know, restate, if somebody comes and, um, you know, breaks up your peaceful protest and, you know, the peaceful protesters start to fight back, uh, you know, you have to ask yourself whether, um, you know, that's the message that you want to send for your peaceful protest, whether, you know, you want to engage in, uh, you know, violence. Um, and, you know, with, with regards to like any type of uh personal assault, um, you know, there, there obviously is the right to self-defense, but, you know, it should be, you know, in an ideal world, the police's job to defend people's constitutional rights. You know, uh, from your point of view, it's unfortunate that uh, that's not the case for a lot of people's point of view uh, in America. It's unfortunate that's that's not the case, but, uh, you know, that is the role of the police is to uh, uh, protect people's right to freedom of speech in addition to other rights. Uh, I have another comment, if I may. Go, uh, go ahead, Dorothy. Uh, okay, so, um, yeah, the, 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 uh, the purpose of uh, the uh, police force is to uh, protect and defend. Uh, that's our perception. However, if, if you know the history of policing in this country, it goes back to the what they used to call the paddle rollers or the patrollers during enslavement. And uh, as a result of that, uh, these forces were used uh, to uh, remand uh, people uh, to enslavement if they were considered fugitives. And even during and after Reconstruction uh, and with the fugitive slave law, these uh, people were uh, sent to uh, incarcerate African-Americans. And that's how the whole carceral system 
uh, came about and how the uh, that's why people are, are, are calling for a revamping of the whole policing system because uh, it, it, it was based uh, on uh, it was organized based on suppression of African Americans. So uh, I hope people will take notice and that police departments will see that there's a need for intrinsic change from within the the uh, police department. You know, there's been calls for defunding, uh, but that's not just to say that people want anarchy. I want people to understand that it is a, a call for a reallocation of resources uh, that have in the past and continue to be used to uh, suppress a certain part of the population. It has been proven that African Americans have stopped several times more than uh, 20, uh, I don't know how many times more than uh, people uh, who are not of color uh, for, e- for no infraction at all. Dorothy, we're so glad that you've brought that up. In fact, uh, Professor Gershon and I are working on getting um, some uh, expert uh, advice to have that as a future in legal terms episode. So thank you. You have just uh, read our programming minds. Today, we are talking about your right to protest. We hope you'll call in with questions. We've only got a few more minutes left, folks. If you're interested in learning more about ACLU Mississippi, I'll tell you next. This is In Legal Terms on MPB Think Radio. Hey, this is Larry Morrissey with the Mississippi Arts Commission. I'm one of the hosts of the Mississippi Arts Hour, the arts interview show on Think Radio. We talk with visual artists, musicians, writers, as well as people who help bring the arts to their communities. We hear about how each artist learned their craft and get some insight into their creative process. You can hear the Arts Hour every Sunday at 5 p.m. on Think Radio. Or listen anytime by subscribing to the show through your favorite podcasting app. Thank you for being a part of In Legal Terms. If you've missed any of our program, you can listen to the whole show, inlegalterms.mpbonline.org. It's also available on the MPB Public Media app, as are all our local shows. I'm Liz Gill, here with Professor Richard Gershon from the University of Mississippi School of Law. Uh, We've mentioned before the website for ACLU Mississippi is... ACLU hyphen MS dot org. And on October 16th, 2018, we had the previous executive director, Jennifer Riley Collins, on our show. You can find that podcast to hear more about their organization. Today, we're talking with legal director and interim executive director of ACLU Mississippi, Joshua Tom. We've got two phone calls on holding. Let's go uh, on the road. Regina, be extra careful driving. Regina, thanks for calling in to In Legal Terms. Go ahead. You know, make uh, a comment of how impressed I am with the diverse protests that have been going on across the world, uh, you know, to bring light to the way uh, color are treated. Uh, being a woman of color, I, I find that highly impressive because 
just out there living. I've never seen anything like that. And I'm 47 years old. And I, I just uh, thank and praise God for that. Um, that diversity, the people who took a stand against righteousness. Um, I'm sorry, unrighteousness, rather. And uh, But the comment, uh, the question that I have is, um, I know how the police uh, are on the scene to uh, pretty much guide the protest for protests, and we have seen things kind of go uh, totally awry. And I was just wondering why is it that certain groups get more support than others, like uh, hate groups, like uh, Ku Klux Klan, and things that that uh, nature. They seem to get more support from the police, to, like escort, uh, where uh, people of color do not. Is that something you could speak about, uh, Joshua Tom from the ACLU? Um, you know, I, I don't think I can speak to that point, but you know, this you know, you know, maybe an unsatisfactory answer, but it you know talks about uh, the, the First Amendment and the right to free speech and the right to protest. Is that you know, it goes back to flag burning. The right to free speech uh, applies to every American, which includes speech that uh, you know you or I or the vast majority of people find abhorrent. And so the, the First Amendment does protect, uh, you know, the views that the caller just talked about and the views of the protesters uh, who are protesting police violence, protesting the murder of George Floyd. And it's the duty of the police to ensure that everyone can safely uh, exercise their right to speech. Thank you, Regina. We appreciate you calling in. Let's go to the uh, Mississippi Gulf Coast. And Brad, thank you for calling in to In Legal Terms. Go ahead. I'm probably of a little different ideology than your than your guest, but I think it's good for when you've got opposing parties that they uh, they both have understandings to, and and then it sets the game the the ground rules for uh, amicable uh, interactions. But what what about the people that block off the highway? I mean, it, as a person in your car, that puts you in a scary situation that people are in the highway, they're blocking it off, they start banging on your window, you've got a person in a, in a, in a car that can hurt people, but you've got people around them uh, putting them in fear for their life, and they're in the middle of the highway. Or, or the streets. So what What are, for both sides, uh, can you lay down some ground laws or something for both sides to amicably understand so that they know what, what they should and should not do in that situation? You know, that goes back to the uh, government's uh, interest in, you know, creating, um, you know, traffic safety, public safety, ensuring that people can use the sidewalks and the streets uh, safely, competing like, uh, use concerns. And so the government does have the right to ensure that uh, traffic can proceed safely. And, you know, so that goes to the point of the difference between, you know, a protest that has a permit or a small protest that doesn't need a permit versus uh, civil disobedience or just simply, uh, you know, breaking the obstruction of traffic laws. All right. All right. 
Thank, thank you. you. Thank you, Brad. We appreciate you calling in. Uh, and now we're going to end it with an email. Um, Joshua Tom from the ACLU Mississippi. We had someone email in, what kind of charges are protesters facing and can they be successfully defended in court? So I guess what are some what do what are some things protesters might could do wrong to get thrown in jail because they did? Yeah, sure. So, you know, I, I think that, you know, the, the most important thing is that if you're peacefully protesting, you know, whether as an individual or a small group, you're not uh, obstructing anything, uh, whether the street or the sidewalk or a building, uh, you're not harassing anybody, you're peacefully sending your message. Uh, if you are arrested for that, you should contact the ACLU because that's a violation of your rights. You should submit a complaint to the law enforcement agency uh, that arrested you. You know, as I said before, get all of the appropriate information so you can make a proper complaint. However, you know, there are times where the police could uh, validly, um, you know, charge or arrest somebody. Uh, say you don't have a, a permit and you're blocking the street, say you're harassing people, um, you know, say you're engaged in some type of public disturbance. You know, there's any, any number of things that the police could validly charge you for. But I think the important point to remember is if you're peacefully engaging in protest, police should protect your right to do that. And how do you have a crystal ball, <laughs> Joshua, Tom, do you, how do you do you envision more protests uh, in the next week, the next month? What do you predict? That's tough to say. Um, you know, I, I don't have any predictions, but I will say that the protests across America uh, and across the world and you know, particularly, you know, in America, we should all be proud of that because our First Amendment uh, to the Constitution uh, is what allows us as Americans to engage in protests across the country. Thank you so much, Joshua Tom from ACLU, Mississippi. We're so glad that you could join us today. Thanks for having me, Richard and Liz. Well, that's going to wrap us up for today's In Legal Terms. It just flew by. We're going to thank Jay White for taking care of our calls and being our board engineer for Professor Richard Gerson, who hosts Forum, the University of Mississippi School of Law in Oxford. I'm Liz Gill. Join us next Tuesday for another In Legal Terms on MPB Think Radio. This is an MPB Think Radio podcast.